Turn in your Bibles to the book of James, or for our French folks, the book of Jacques, chapter 1. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Father today, and, um, you know, as I was hearing those wonderful testimonies, I was trying to recount the various things over the past number of weeks that were said about receiving, and what I said earlier I was not intending to say at that point, and that's why my mind was scrambling. I always feel like we need to footnote prophetic words and put them up on the screen because I just in the flash of the moment, I can't remember it. If I start talking about it and I miss one, then we're in challenging moments. But James 1 speaks about the gifts of the Lord. And when, uh, uh, when I would always mention this, uh, and maybe you did too, you'd say every good and perfect gift. You know, you'd question that, every good and perfect gift. But it doesn't really say that. It says something different. And that's, this is something that I think God is giving us as a, a wonderful understanding concerning how he moves and how we, uh, how we function in him. So James 1, beginning at verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Uh, that's a good one. And uh, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And of course, a stem winder, verse 22. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if, you, if that's the case... You're deceiving your own selves. James really was writing here in the context of something that we're facing in our world today. We look at uh, pro progressive ideologies in the church and really being forecast into the world, and it is a demonic strategy to cause people to think that God is everywhere, and, and he's in every religion, he's in everything, and he doesn't hold anybody to accountability. He just appears, and he says anything that uh, the spirit realm wants to say, whether there's no evil, and there's no differentiation between evil and good. You just stick your spiritual head out into the winds, and whatever you feel is, is really what the divine cosmic Christ is. That's what you see in society. That's what you see in religion. And you see the enemy really trying to corrupt the world in two really specific ways. One is the demonic thing that is specifically demonic. And the shamans of this world, specifically that we've talked about recently, are openly trying to bring forth people into the demonic army. Then you have the progressive uh, thing, which is every bit as demonic. And it is leading people into a pathway that is seems good in a way, but it's just evil. And James was touching on this when he brings about this business of how the Heavenly Father works with people. In fact, this, this, this uh, description 
With him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Those are direct Gnostic views. The first part is variableness, which would speak about the patterns of the stars. And people thought, okay, well, this is, this is a time where the, the divine one is doing this. But then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be this way tomorrow, and then it's going to be this way. It's kind of like going in, in whatever is happening in the world and believing that it's God's way. The second is shadow of turning. The original use of this word for the shadows of turning spoke about dead people that are coming back to life. The shadows of things in the spirit realm. Whether there are voices that say this, or my old uncle Charlie came and spoke this to me, or I saw this spirit over here and it spoke this thing. And the shadow of turning uh, meant that when you got too close to that shadow, it would just dissipate. And you could, it was elusive. You never could come to it. And those two factors really governed the people of the day. And James was saying the real God is not in either of those things. And, you know, you see, you see that same typification going on in our world right now. You've got uh, people that open up to any spirit that comes along. But wait, whoosh, it's like a will-o'-the-wisp. I've got to grab this. Oh, isn't it glorious? I feel these things. Or you, you have people saying, well, this is, this is what's happening in this cosmic age. And you've got to get on board with it. And, you know, uh, we don't know what's going to come next, but the signs will reveal it. Those two things, are, or variations of them, are still active today. And James was saying, if you, if you cast your sail to catch the winds of either of these, you're, you're, going to, you're going to be much disappointed and probably lost eternally. So in the backdrop of that, James speaks about what God really does. And he says that God is the true light. God is the only light. There are not many truths. There's the one truth, and it's God's truth. And he is the father of how this light shines forth. And, you know, he will not change. If there's any shadow, it will be the shadow you cast from walking in that light. And it will not be deceptive. It'll just be an invitation for people to come to the light, much like Peter's shadow healed people. Um, but God is good. Yes, God builds line upon line. He, he'll do this thing, and then it, he steps into a new point of grace. But it doesn't ever change. It just evolves in him. And so the Father of lights is the one that we're, we're worshiping. But what kind of gifts does he give? And this is the thing that I, I'm so grateful for uh, in, in its understanding today. It says that every good gift and every perfect gift is the way Father gives. And these are, these are uh, descriptions of two very different things but they build off of one another. Every good gift is this. It's an agathos dosis. It's, it's something that God releases in his overall goodness. 
And as I was studying this yesterday, something that we said a long time ago really was shown out in the mouths of these, many of them secular, um, secular writers who delve into these ancient languages. They said, you cannot have agathos without agape. You cannot have it. Because any good thing that God is doing is rooted in the agape which I think is very interesting, even though their understandings of what agape is is certainly not scriptural, but from the ancient world, agape was something that was a driving passion within somebody. But when God gives that, or when the divine influence gives that, the objective is to do something good or wholesome. But even in their understanding of how these words oriented, agathos was, was something that was rooted in that divine passion. I think that's very important for us to see. We already knew it, but here's another indication that that's, that, that that's the way God's kingdom is established. But agathos in itself is, is simply something good that the divine is giving in the ancient world. And, and that, that is the good, but the gift is, the word for gift there, dosis, is, is something that is just given. Uh, it, it's something that comes. What you do with it is up to you. So the first thing that God gives is the opportunity to know his goodness. It's the opportunity to do something uh, and, and to, to go forward with it, because that's what's expressed next. Every perfect gift, different terms entirely. Perfect is telelos, Teleos, and then um, that gift with teleos is dorema, and both of these words have to do with functioning on behalf of the intent. This was used on behalf of sacrifices. Both of these were used uh, to, to describe sacrifices that are offered to God, and it, it speaks about fulfilling something. Not just receiving something, but fulfilling something. And so you have, you have that, every good gift and every perfect gift. First, God gives us an opportunity to know him and to realize that there's something more. But then we have a responsibility to go from that to say, how can I serve you in it? How can I make the best of this? How can I go into the fullness of what you have required of me. Every good gift and every perfect gift. So God gives a good thing. And then we say, oh, thank you for this, Father. Now, what, what am I supposed to do with this? What, what, what is the best use of this in my life and in the surrounding? And most people just lump both of these together. Oh, it's good and it's perfect. I tell you today, friend, it's good. Everybody say it's good and it's perfect. You know, and, and you know, that preaches good maybe for certain crowds, but this is speaking about the Father giving you an opportunity to know His wonders and then an invitation for you to serve Him in it and to not only serve Him in it, but to bring things to a, uh, a glorious completion, those two things. And, and I, I love that because every perfect gift, those are sacrifice words. Both of them are sacrifice words. They, 
demands something of you. The first one is truly a gift in its own. You can do what you want with a gift. You can let it sit there. You can say, oh, thanks for this, and what am I ever going to do with that? And you sit it there. Have you ever received those kinds of gifts? Uh, I have. Many of them are probably sitting on your somewhere. You know, when that person who gave me that comes over, I've got to act like I'm doing something with this. You know, we've all had that. Or you want to re-gift it and hope you remember who gave it to you the first time so that you don't give it to that, that exact person the next Christmas. There's a label somewhere in the bottom of, of the package from Aunt Lulu. Well, I gave this to you last year. You've got to do something with the gift. And, and that, that's the part that most Christians don't understand. They just say, God gives good gifts. Whatever I do with them is up to me. Uh, it, it, it blessed me for a little while. I don't know what to do with it. But it's every good gift and every perfect gift. When God gives something, it's your responsibility then to take the next step and to do something with it, to utilize it as an offering to Him, knowing that when He gives something good, it's an invitation for you then to partner with Him. And that's so important for us to see. You know, in, um, in Luke 11, for instance, you know that story about uh, if you ask uh, for bread, will you give a stone? You know, th that thing which ends with the scorpion. Um, the next thing Jesus says is that you being evil know how to give agathos gifts to your children. That's interesting. You just, the evil, the people in the world just want to give kids things so that for the moment they feel like everything's rosy and keen, you know. Even the world knows how to do that. But then Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I tell. There's that same concept where, you know, we don't just receive a good gift. We then want to partner with the Holy Spirit to do something with it. And, and that shows me something else about what one of the seven spirits is, what the Holy Spirit really is for. We've talked about that saintly wind. We've talked about it in many different ways. But here we see another variation of what the Holy Spirit does. It is for us to take something that God intended for good and to do something with it in Him. How God takes a visitation and then we go off that visitation and say, I'm going to move, which is why when the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, God just didn't mean for people to run around and speak in tongues and saying, I got it, I got it, I'm filled now. Do something with it. So many people in Pentecost, and I grew up, I'm thankful for that heritage, that it ends with them finally tarrying enough to speak in tongues, and they think that's all there is. And then they speak every now and then. Every time I feel the Spirit, I speak in tongues. My mother spoke in tongues once a month, bless her. But, you know, the thing is that the, the Holy Spirit comes to fulfill something that God is doing and then to keep on fulfilling. So if in the world, those being evil know, they even know how to give an agathos gift, something that's good, something that, that is a delightful thing. They know, even in the, in the evil world, how to give that kind of a one-off gift. But then Jesus says, if, you know, in the same context, if a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? He says, if you ask the Holy Spirit, God will give it to you. 
What does it mean for us to ask the Holy Spirit? For those of us who are already speaking in tongues, speaking in diversities of tongues, is it for a new goosebump? Or is it for God to say, there's something more I want to do in this measure of restoration for my eternal will? There's something more I want to do. Father, I ask for that so that we can take that perfect gift and continue to do something as a sacrifice before you. This is so wonderful. So when the Father of lights gives a good gift and a perfect gift, it's the pattern we've lived. God blesses us, but then what are we going to do with it? Are we going to see that developed? Are we going to lose interest? Are we going to say, well, you know, I thought God was doing something, blah, 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 which we're so prone to do even as pneumaticos people. But I guess it's just not going to happen for me. We cannot do that. Who knows? You know, the, Rick Joyner said many years ago, and we quoted this a number of times, the greater the vision, the greater the battle. The greater the vision, the greater the burden. The greater the vision, the greater the valley. And we need to recognize we're walking on high peaks of great vision right now. What do you expect that to be uh, in a demand in your life? We need to wake up and be, and, and what the Scripture says, quit you, be like mature ones. Because for every good gift, there is an every perfect gift measure of responsibility and development. That's what James is talking about. And he says it here in the context of this world that is offering all kinds of spiritual visitations and all kinds of progressive dumbing down of what God is really doing. And we need to stand in the midst of that when we see that happening, and we do see that happening, and say, Father, you have given us a good gift. Now let us continue to move in the ever-evolving dispensation of the perfect gift. We see good gifts being given. I mean, I, I was watching, you know, the World Cup is going on in, in Qatar right now. I, I never really cared that much about soccer or football, they call it in England. I always thought it was kind of boring. You know, if you can't throw the ball, you know, I just have no interest in it. Uh, but I am grateful that our brothers in France are celebrating now because their team won. Too bad England, too bad Brazil. But, you know, you hear about the money that's just over there in Qatar and over there in, in the Saudis. You see uh, Ronaldo, who's a famous Portuguese player that, one of the teams in Saudi Arabia offered him 300 million bucks to play. 300 million. And I thought, that's just, that's just outrageous. You saw when Iran won by a miracle a game, the, the, the royal family, or not the royal family, the, every one of those players was given a brand new Rolls Royce. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine that? And I think there's probably a lot of used Rolls Royces on the market right now. But, you know, good gifts. Oh, wow, people get excited. You know, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't, what would you do with a Rolls Royce? You'd be afraid to drive it anywhere. You just put it in a garage and hope nothing happens in that thing. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I see Bentleys out on the street and I think, where are you going to park that thing? And, you know, double parking, yeah, so nobody scratches it. But is that vehicle going to be there when you come back out of North Park? I don't know. 
But, you know, those good gifts are floating around everywhere. And, and it makes people happy for a little bit. And then the realization is, what's the insurance on this thing? Can I afford the assurance on this thing? And is somebody going to key it when I'm not looking? You've got to hire somebody to watch that Rolls Royce and hope that person's reputable. A good gift. It makes you happy for a moment, but what are you going to do with it? The e people, evil ones, know how to give good gifts. But the Father gives not only a good gift, but he gives his Holy Spirit to, to move and to activate what we're supposed to be doing. And those sacrifices, where you have to sacrifice, you give of yourself to take that agathos thing and take it into the reality of actual function. And you see those words played out throughout the New Testament. It's really an interesting study. But let's take it into another aspect. That same principle of God giving a potential and then you partnering with God to move in power in something that he's wanting to do. That's the way the Father moves. You see that when, for instance, you talk about um, grace. You have the same word variations with grace. Between charis, grace, and charisma, the function, the manifestation of grace. You see the same variation with that ma put on the end of it. And so somebody steps into grace, but then are they going to function in gifts that personify and demonstrate grace? Or are you just going to say, well, great grace was upon me. Well, what was that for? Well, you know, great grace was upon the church. That's wonderful. But what were they to do then? They're supposed to manifest what grace is bringing. They're supposed to function in grace, grow in grace. And they're supposed to develop that to set in motion why God brought you into that horizon of grace. And if you're not building on the charisma or the charismata of grace, then you're never going to be able to take the next step into the next field of grace. Do you see that? It's this same principle. Whenever God the Father is moving, He provides dare I say, an atmosphere of goodness, an invitation to come into it. But it's not just enough to say, oh, what God is doing, isn't this terrific? Oh, uh, you know, and then when that begins to dry up, oh, I've got to run to the next place where the river is flowing, and I've got to get into it. Oh, I'm just a God chaser. Well, at some point, you've got to stop being a God chaser and to become pregnant with Jesus. At some point, you've got to say, Father, I'm going to take a stand with what you've been doing, and I'm going to take responsibility before you. I'm going to step into that perfect gift that comes from the Father. Yes, I thank you for the good gift, but now I'm going to step into the perfect gift. And many people don't understand that variation. They don't understand that responsibility, and therefore the good gift is all they receive, which is great. It's better to receive a good gift than receive none at all. But if you don't do something with what you receive in the Father, then you're really not setting yourself in a position to see the next thing that God wants to do. Does that make sense? So every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He is not moving in some kind of celestial thing. Well, it's the age of Aquarius. Now, remember that song from some of you? old enough as I am. You remember when the fifth dimension sang, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. You hear it in the elevators now when you're 
just music is playing. Uh, we weren't allowed to listen to all that when we were growing up. Now it's elevator music. But, you know, if you think, okay, what age is this? And, and you think this is the way God moves. There are people that teach that. There are seminars in progressivism that talk about that. It's unbelievable to me. But then you also talk about, you know, these visitations. Oh, we're going to open ourselves up into the spirit realm. And just, there are no evil spirits. I remember studying about that when I was looking from a couple seminars ago. Don't ask me where that's taught. I'm not going to tell you. But it, it was there. It's in the archive somewhere because there are going to be 10 emails that come. Where did you teach on that? I don't remember. My mind is driving forward. I've got a short-term memory with a long-term understanding of what he teaches. But you ask me, when did you teach this? Where did you write about it? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, the point, though, is that they, they, they even teach that there is no devil, there is no evil, and that you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of in the spirit realm. What kind of malarkey is that? They teach that. So they say, let's come together and let's kumbaya and let's open ourselves because God is everywhere and everything and we'll just receive it. That's the shadow of turning. It's a will of the wisp. It is a demonic canard that draws people in. And they never find it. It's a red herring in the spirit realm. And they go from this. Well, yeah, you took this drug and it opened you up. But now you really need this drug to take you even deeper. That's out there right now. It's not Timothy Leary stuff. It is advanced into the decade we're living in now. And it's from the demonic realm. It was as old. It was happening back then with James, which is why he says this. How does the Father move? I hear some people that are active in progressivism. You know, I used to be in the church, but it never provided for me. Well, that's because you were just goofing around. You were in the, the, the good gift, which we're thankful for the good gift. But you've got to take the second step. Are you going to be more than just a child in the family? Are you going to be a son now? That's the perfect gift. And then when you are a son... If you're an heir, are you going to be a joint heir? Are you going to take it in the Father and say, Okay, Father, this partnership with you has brought this atmosphere. What do you want me to do now? What is the perfect gift you want me to really offer to you? It's an exchange. See, when you sacrifice to do these things with the Father, it, you're blessing the Lord, but He's blessing you. The greatest blessing you receive is fulfilling what He created you to be. That eternal desire for you to be with him and as him. See that? So when I say these are sacrifice words, yes, you've got to commit yourself, and you're doing it for the Father, but that is fulfilling you. It's a wonderful circle of the wheel within the wheel. But the, every good gift, any, any dolt can receive a good gift. Any any. Uh, how can I say this? We've just, God has a lot of odd friends. I've known people that are just simple, and God bless the simple. But, you know, some people just only know how to receive good gifts. They, they just like to feel things. But it's a rare person who says, I'm going to take that next step in you, because this, as wonderful as it is, is an invitation for me to begin to partner with you. 
Remember when we used to tell people when, when the, the honeymoon phase of the visitation here where God was just unveiling things, things that we live now and, and we rejoice in now, but we got to do something with them. And people would say, we would say, okay, doesn't the scripture say that when you pray in the spirit, you also have to interpret? So here's how you interpret. Oh, I don't want to do that. What, God shows you things, and what are you going to do with them? What does that mean? Oh, I just want to feel. I just, I, it, it, this other stuff is too much work. I just want to feel. Remember when we'd hear that? And we'd think, whoa, 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 what is this? I remember one time meeting with uh, someone who was from another part of the country, and we were asking, I felt the Spirit was saying, you need to ask this person to take responsibility for that region. And so I had, uh, during one of our seminars, a, a meeting in my office, me with this person and another person who was in authority here. And I presented, okay, I feel this is what the Spirit is saying. We want you to be a representative in this area. And you'd have thought I'd have hit this person in the head with a pan. They were so outraged that I was going to ask them to do something. And they said, oh, I just don't think that's for me. I don't want to take that responsibility. And this person began to say all these things, basically rejecting this invitation to represent the Lord. Yeah, we, we want to feel God doing something, but to take responsibility for it, no, 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 I don't believe that's what God has for me. And I thought, do you realize the opportunity you've just missed? It, it, that, and I, I, I pray, I'm sure I've done something like that in my life, and I repent of that because I want the good gift, yes, but, Father, I want the perfect gift as well. And all of those are different terms. And even, you know, th these three terms, the good gift, that gift is something you receive. The perfect gift is something that you take responsibility for. And the other word that is most regularly used in the New Testament speaks of gifts, that's grace. I'll come behind, I would that you come behind in no gift. And that's grace, charis. And all three of those, I mean, the first one is something that God just gives to you. The second is something you take responsibility for. And then, because of that, you step into new arenas of grace, and this principle keeps expanding. So with every one of these things, with, with the exception of the first, which is kind of a, an entree, um, you say, okay, I need to do something with this. And that's how grace grows. That's how the gift of the identity in the Lord grows. But this is all from the Father. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of light. And he's always demonstrating some new dimension of his ways, which is what light is. We've studied that. What is the white light? The white light is the fullness of all of the seven colors of the seven spirits. And that then brings about the ways of God. The Father of lights. Only God could take us in the path of partnership with his seven spirits, culminating in light. The Father of Lights is saying, basically, the Heavenly Father is leading us in His ways. That's what it is. How does He do that? He visits. You feel a stirring. And then, 
What am I going to have to give to the Lord in response to this visitation? And what is he going to require? What is he wanting to do? And that's a very subtle thing. It's, it's a very personal, it's a very intimate partnership with God. But he does that. Now, you can either just exist on the gift, which pretty soon loses its luster. Now, I mean, even a, a godly gift in the natural realm will lose its luster in the natural perception. You know this. I mean, we knew this from our seminars in those early days when God's presence was so rich and is so rich. And then I'd hear not people complaining, but I'd hear people say, well, you know, it's not like it was. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't really feel love anymore. Or I, you know, and they'd say things, and I'd think, what are you saying? And then some group would come in from a seminar, and they'd get about this far, and they'd just fall out in the Spirit because suddenly this presence that we'd all become used to for them was still vibrant. For us, we had become acclimated to it. But, and, and, and when you become acclimated, you, you better be acclimating and partnering with God. <laughs> you better. I mean, it's such a funny thing. I mean, I, I don't, it, it's like when the disciples walk with Jesus and they know they're with the Son of God. They see the thousands fed. They see dead people come to life. They see incredible teachings that he's bringing, showing the presence of the Most High. They see Elijah. They see Moses. And then very not far after that, they're saying, hey, Jesus, what you just said, I'm not real sure about. Let me give you some counsel here. Do you think maybe the disciples' familiarity in some way bred contempt? Probably. You see Moses go up on the top of the mountain. His face is shining. The people say, I can't look at that. Put the veil over your face. And then not long after that, with all the miracles that are done, a bunch of yahoos come with their rods in hand, and they're saying, we hear from God just like you do, Moses. What was God's reaction to that? All right, Moses, I've had it with these people. Let's put a line here. All these numbskulls that are over here saying, you're my friend. Listen to what they're saying. I'm going to open the ground. These guys are gone. Oh, God would never do that. What kind of God is that? That's not love. No, that's reality. That's reality in the, in the walk of love. You don't touch God's anointed. You don't do his prophet's harm. That's just what the Scripture says. Everybody can prophesy with the Lord. Everybody can grow. Everybody has a place. But you get on the wrong side, here in no uncertain terms is the judgment of God. What kind of God would judge? You hear that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just basically an excuse to not do anything with what God is giving. I, I just think this is interesting. So you can become, we said this before, today's meat becomes tomorrow's bread. And, you know, you, can, you don't realize how much God has given. And, and you have to keep building. You have to keep going forward. It may not be going as fast as you want it to go. You may, you know, we studied about Job this morning a little bit. You might, you know, you might think, oh, I don't know what good it is. And, and before you know it, you're blabbering out some kind of murmuring. It will destroy you in the wilderness. 
Either God is with you or he's not with you. Was he with you two weeks ago? Well, chances are he's still with you, whether you believe it or not. And, and what he's demanding of you is part of this sacrifice. Will you press in when it feels like I'm hiding my face? Will you search for me when I'm hard to find? See, we preach those things when we feel the anointment. But when it comes to us living them, oh, no, I don't know about that. I'd rather just dwell here in the, in the pathway of murmuring. This sacrifice will cost you something, but it's a sacrifice that God is extending to us. And it's blessing Him, and it's the pathway of victory. And, and so the Father of lights, the Father of His ways, is offering this pathway. Every good gift is followed with every perfect gift. You cannot separate the two. Which would you like, a good gift or a perfect gift? Oh, I don't know. Let me think. I think I'll go with a perfect gift today. I sound like Kramer. Why don't you tell me the movie you want to see? <laughs> but I don't know who Kramer is. Well, we bless you. Um, the thing is, though, he's hanging out with Waldo. Where's Waldo? You, you, that is a progression. That's the real progressive right there. Every good gift sets the stage for every perfect gift. If you are... If you're a participant in, in recognizing and receiving the good gift, then you need to recognize the perfect gift. They're all, they're, every one of those are different terms. It's, you don't just put it in the blender and say, like I said at the beginning, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in life. God wants to give you good and perfect gifts today. These are two different things. We cannot, we cannot conflate them. It's a progression in the Lord. This is how His ways are known in us. And you say, well, who wouldn't want a good gift? <laughs> Do you remember any of that? Do you remember when God was coming in, in those early days and we thought, oh, wow, why wouldn't everybody want this? I know I thought that. Why wouldn't everybody want it? And it was a stunner to realize that not everybody wanted this visitation of the Lord, just His presence. God's Spirit could be moving in a mighty way, just incredible ways. And you'd think, why is that one back there? Not, are they not feeling this? Are they not sensing that God's moving in this way? So the presence of a good gift doesn't indicate that anybody's going to want it. The sower goes forth to sow seeds. The first place that he's sowing it, or she's sowing it, is on ground that people don't want. They're just walking over it. They don't care. Like Jacob, God was in this place, and I knew it not. He's talking to somebody named Shirley. Shirley, God was in this place, and I knew it not. Don't call me Shirley. Uh, we, we've got to be really careful that when the good gift of God comes, we, we rejoice in it and we don't forget. Do you think that God's a, I almost said Indian giver, that's probably not politically correct anymore. Do you think God brings a gift and then the next week it's not there anymore? Of course not. I asked, I, I've been asking every time I'm in here for the presence of God. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit, which is the saintly wind. 
God stirred us with that dimension of his seven spirits, which is what he wanted from the ecclesia at the very beginning, which is why that was the first gift he gave to the church after being born again. I ask for his presence because that stirs people. It stirs them to move on toward the perfect gift. And we need that. But then the perfect gift really fulfills what the Holy Spirit was trying to do and is intending to do. I know, wrap your head around this. Basically, though, it's the principle of how God has led you. If we want to partner with His ways, the good gift comes. You begin to sense something, and you want more of Him. And it's not just there. It doesn't end there. It's not the be-all, end-all. Some people just, you, you have to keep giving them gifts, and they forget what you gave them last time because you got to do better than the last time. And you better. Some people with birthdays, it's like one of the feasts of the Lord. It's all about them. I, I'm not talking about anybody in here. I knew a girl that was here one time ago. When their birthday rolled around, forget about it. Everything stops. And you better up do beyond what, what happened last year just so you let them know how wonderful they are. And, you know, I, I think, I think when, when God does something... The next step is to step into him and to say, how am I supposed to invest myself into this so that I can serve you in it and so that we can see your ways fulfilled and us take a step into grace into a new horizon where then at that point we feel something that is a good thing from you and we just keep growing in grace. But we, we cannot... We cannot ignore this process. It's the Father's process. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't. I see so many pitfalls in every one of these stages and steps, but here it's shown very clearly for us. So at Christmas time, the Father knows how to give good gifts to his children. Every good gift and every perfect gift. I think God's giving both of those to us right now in this dimension of whatever he's doing his time frame. We've felt things over this past season that are bursts of his presence in new dimensions of who he is. And then it's up to us to pursue him in that. Sometimes we come back in and we think, where is that? Where are you? And he just wants you to thank him. He wants you to search for him. It, it's, it's, it's just interesting. I mean, one of the things I appreciate about Levi is that he, he will uh, hear the bottle crackling in there. He, he finds those empty bottles. But he'll get something and then he looks at it and then he wants to search for something else. He wants to keep searching. And the key thing is to try to take him to the point where he will learn what it is that he has in his hand and develop that. If he just, if it, we're, we're like a baby sometimes where, yeah, we want this, but then whoosh, throw this down. Well, let's get this. Whoosh, well, what's around? Let's get this. That's a baby mentality. And as sweet as it is, you don't grow in the Lord if that's all you know in him. And that's where most Christians are. We, we used to talk about going to service. We're going to go to the AM service. 
Well, who's being served? Is it God serving you or is it you serving God? Which is it? Which should be you serving God? And so every good gift, yes, we want those agathos gifts. We want those. You, you give them. You bless us. It's wonderful. But then the perfect gift comes. And we have a responsibility to take that and to partner with you and to do what you say to do and to grow and to learn and to develop. And that sets the pathway of grace. Those three capacities of gifts in the New Testament, the one-off things, the ones then that we partner with, and then grace, every one of them follow that same pattern linguistically. But that's the way the Father moves. That's how you grow as sons. And that's how you grow as heirs and joint heirs. Because if you're just about the, the good gift, that's nice, but you're not going to grow. You're gonna, the floor around you is going to be littered with the last toy you got, and you've tossed it down because there's some other glittering thing. Oh, what's that person have over there? Now, I carried Levi in here this morning, and he's fascinated watching Debbie Kay move those banners, and he watches that. But then, wait, there might be something behind Papa. Oh, Fran's waving a banner, too. I'll look at that for a minute. But wait, Debbie Kay's got two banners. Fran's got one. Oh, what are they singing up there? Oh, what's over here in the light? That's the way a baby thinks, and it's sweet. It's precious. We love that. But that's the way most Christians are. Oh, yeah, God, you're doing this, but ah, what, what's this over here? And at some point, you've got to say, what good gift is God given here, and what does he expect me to offer in the perfect gift? Because that's the gift. That's the gift that really touches who you're made to be and how you're to serve the Father. The good gifts, we can all splash around in those. But the perfect gifts demand something from us. And it, you, you, you put a demand on the Lord. Command ye me concerning my sons. You're one of those sons. And, and how are my hands going to work? I've got to partner with God. Because that's the way things happen. That's the pioneers into new visitations of the Lord. It is wearying at times. Of course it is. Just like in the household, you know, the Mary Martha scenario. There's so many extrapolations of this. We, we get on uh, Martha because she's, she's uh, troubled by many things. But yet all those disciples were there in that house. Somebody had to feed them. You could have wished for a multiplying of the bread and fish, but Jesus wasn't doing that that day. Somebody had to serve. And, you know, we get after her for that. But for every Mary scenario, we choose the perfect, the good thing then you have to provide for the house. See, you've got to have both. You can't be one or the other. Martha was, you know, look at my sister over here. She's not doing anything, and, but she's, she's welcoming the presence. But yet somebody else had to feed those people. Jesus brought them there for that reason. And that's what Martha was doing. She just was belly aching because her sister wasn't carrying the note. You might say some of that about sisters. Um, that happens with sisters, doesn't it? Well, in most homes it does. Maybe you live in the perfect world. But uh, I've been around enough sisters to know that <laughs> there can be some clashes. So the Mary Martha scenario wasn't just about worshiping at the feet of Jesus and serving the disciples. There were some other variables there. Even the most holy sisters I know 
will throw pans at one another at times. So that happens. Maybe not in the McGill house, but I think it happens in most houses. <laughs> all right, so what's the Father giving you? Well, first of all, what we said before the sermon began, and I stumbled through that one, expect something really amazing that God's going to do for you. It, it's, it's already there, so just enjoy it and give him thanks when it happens. You don't have to remember that it was said here. Just give, remember that it's coming from him. And it's because you've been faithful to stand, like those two women in the lives of Elijah and Elisha. God knows you've taken a stand. Let him bless you for that. Because the breaking of the drought is near, and you need to be fully functional. But these gifts of the Father, this Christmas season, I am asking, and I ask you to join that the good gifts of the Father would be known and that the perfect gifts of the Father would be known and that the gifts of grace would be known. We need all three of those. And you think about it. It's plowman reaper, isn't it? It's plowman overtaking the reaper because the good gifts is a field. The second gift is, is those people that are plowing and working to provide the harvest. And then, then with that, you've got to be saying, all right, grace has taken us into a new realm uh, because of this. Well, what do we need to do to welcome your presence so that that circle of how God is doing a thing in his ways continues? I pray that God will help us with this. Oh, as you say, it's just, it's just too much to get. It, I just can't grasp all of that, Pastor. I'm glad you, you, you seem to have a handle on it. It's just too much for me. Listen, this is your God talking to you, the Father talking to you. This is the way he wants to work in you. You've been living this. Now see it in his word. The visitation of the good thing is, is with us. But at the same time, the participation of partnership is with us. And at the same time, the directive of grace is taking us ever increasingly into new dimensions. All three of those gifts in the New Testament demand a response. But it's a cycle. It's a cycle. You know, we come into a new realm, new dimensions of what God's Spirit can do there. We feel it. We sense it. We have to partner in that. And we have to keep focusing on what's coming next. The minute you stop, and again, God may be stopping. Don't confuse the two. The greater the vision, the greater the responsibility. You've got to recognize, be mature in this. Step out of your emotional perception and see what God is doing in the spirit. We're experiencing all three of those right now. <laughs> And I'll say this last thing, I promise. Rose, take note of this. I'm saying this last thing, and then we're out of We're out of here. We're out of here. You know when I say that, some people say, oh, don't stop. Some of you say it's about time. <laughs> God's promised the river of his throne. And do you know what? It's happening right now. It is. I mean, I, I was enjoying it this morning. It may not be as dynamic as, as what we saw years ago or what we saw even a month ago, 
in, in your perception of it, but that's here. That good gift is here. The important thing is, what are we supposed to be doing with it? And there is where the battle hits, because the enemy doesn't want you to develop what God is giving. And it's up to you to develop it. Or do we say, oh God, if you come and take over again. Now at some point God says, okay, I've given this good thing. Now, you partner with me. And, and what's the objective is this? Is it just that I do something good and that you learn how to manifest in it? Uh, or is this going somewhere? What's the purpose of this? That's why even the personification of the river itself in, in the Old Testament was pro a progression. Water to the ankles, water to the thigh, water to the waist, water that you cannot pass over. Look at that progression. <laughs> and, and the key thing, the heavenly view is it doesn't matter whether it's just licking up on your ankles. This is going to touch the world. That's the way the Father views things. If we come in here and we say, well, I don't know what happened a month ago. I was overwhelmed by this. No, I just, don't. I just feel a trickle. Well, thank God you're functioning on behalf of the throne. Can you do that? Or does it all have to be Agathos Doris? Is that what it has to be for you? So I think that the Father is always wanting us to grow into more of a son than we've allowed ourselves to be. And um, we really need to do this because all around us are these other demonic forces that are trying to captivate churches and trying to captivate people who are lost. It is, it is an amazing thing. It is, it is just the end time stuff is happening in front of us. It's happening quickly. We see it. So, the gross darkness, darkness and the gross darkness, I think it's grosser darkness. <laughs> it's just getting grosser and grosser. But God's light is with us. Father, I thank you for your gifts. I don't know how well I have presented it today. But I pray, Father, that we will, um, we will all grow and serve you. You're so good to us. We love you. We thank you. And I, I speak a blessing over the precious people who are here, even those who are not so precious. And I say a blessing over those who are joining with us online. And, and I ask that that wonderful touch of your presence that you promised would visit the families, visit the individuals, and may we be faithful to give thanks to you. But these gifts, let us receive them, let us function in them, and let us reach forward into the next new thing that you're wanting to do, Father. This is the way your light shines. And let, let us personify our Father's works speak health, provision, blessing abundantly upon this people. And I thank you for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. God bless all of you. And uh, have a wonderful, wonderful day. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>